you're listening to the Civil Service Pride On podcast. The 8th of March was International Women's Day, so across the month the Civil Service LGBT Plus Network will be speaking to LGBT Plus women from across the Civil Service. We will be discussing the importance of women and LGBT Plus networks and role models. We will also be reflecting on their career journeys and also discussing diversity and inclusion in the workplace. My name is Leah, one of the Network Vice Chairs, and I will be your host. On this episode, our guest will be Sam, who is the Director of Diversity and Inclusion, as well as the LGBTI plus champion for defence. Welcome to today's podcast. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Very happy to be here and really looking forward to our discussion. I'm looking forward to hearing all things diversity and inclusion with you for International Women's Day. It would be great to find out a little bit more about your current job role in MOD. I am about four and a bit weeks into uh, my new job in, and I'm actually the uh, first director of diversity and inclusion in defence, which is a great statement, really. You know, really shows the importance of uh, not only having um, a diverse organisation and, and the importance of diversity to our armed forces, but, but also the real importance of, of inclusion. So, you know, it's not just about numbers, it, it's really about the culture and how we how we make it feel to be part of defence. So um, it's a really exciting role, um, and but just, just finding my way around this at the moment. Oh, no, it sounds like amazing that you're the first person to fill this role. So previously you went in a DNI role, were you? No, so so actually my my background is the finance space. So I I trained as a, a chartered accountant in one of the uh, uh, big four accountancy firms and, and spent a, a good chunk of my career working across a range of industries in in the private sector, mainly in the counter fraud and corruption space. So um, both investigating fraud and corruption and also advising organisations about how to how to avoid it. Um, and then I joined Network Rail to lead their uh, counter fraud and corruption unit um, and then I joined defence in a similar role actually in looking at counter fraud and corruption as a, a forensic accountant um, before becoming their director of assurance so having a bit of a wider portfolio and and yes just you know the opportunity came up to really tackle um, some of the uh, challenges but you know make the most of some of the opportunities that inclusion brings for defence and, and I jumped at that I've I've always been really interested and passionate about inclusion and, and a lot of that is from you know being a uh, gay woman myself uh, and knowing what it feels like um, you know at times to feel like you're you're not part of an organization or you're you're a bit on the outside of the culture so anything that I can do throughout my career to improve the culture and create more opportunities for others um, so yeah when this this opportunity came up um, I, I really grasped it with both hands. How are you finding the change from finance to DNI. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a whole new bunch of acronyms. We we love our acronyms in defence, <laughs> um, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm trying to encourage sort of people and HR colleagues to, to get a bit more comfortable with financial spreadsheets. Um, so, uh, but no, it, it's really interesting to to have an opportunity, and and I think that's something that you know the civil service generally, but but defence in particular, really provides you with that opportunity to to explore different you know professions to to get to um just you know it goes back to diversity ultimately you know i'm bringing a different perspective to a group of um hr professionals and colleagues um and it you know i'm learning a huge amount from them and i hope i'm able to share 
some of my background and experience with them as well so yeah it's it's really fascinating and, and really grateful for the opportunity yeah it's good that you can take your own experiences to your actual job role I really agree I think I recall earlier in my career um working on uh, investigations with uh, with lawyers as, as the sort of forensic accountant um, and we always used to joke that the lawyers would write everything, including numbers, in in uh, in a word document, and the accountants would write everything, including large elements of reports, in an Excel spreadsheet. But um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it it was brilliant. Just you, you know, spending time with people who were just trained and came at things from a different perspective. And I think that was, for me, one of the early lessons about the importance of diversity of thought. Was you know, our legal colleagues would think of things that we had never spotted. And the accountants would come up with angles that the lawyers might not have spotted. And, you know, certainly early in my career, that was a really important lesson. You know, the, the risk of groupthink and the real value of diversity of thought. Have any of the previous roles you've been in been more male dominated? What I've found is it's probably not so much the jobs themselves. So when I think about being an accountant or, or forensic accountant or actually working in diversity and inclusion, it's probably more the industries that I've worked in. Um, so a lot of my um, early career in the accountancy and then moving to work in the rail industry, that's another area that's fairly male dominated, although making some, some great strides in terms of inclusion. Um, and then moving to defence, um, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting when I was looking at the role in defence, a number of friends and colleagues from across government sort of said, oh, you know, you'd be crazy to join defence, Sam. It's so male dominated. It's a really... Um, unpleasant environment for women. Some even use use the phrase, we think it will be really toxic there. And actually, I found a lot of that was was really, you know, a myth. Moving into defence, yes, we, you know, we do have some challenge. We have to recognise that that we need to move forward in in places with our culture. But also we have some of the most uh, amazing and inspiring colleagues at, at all levels uh, and among them many you know really fantastic women very many fantastic members of the lgbt community as well so so i think there is probably a bit of a myth around what it's like to work in defense as a woman as a member of the lgbti community um actually it's it's got some terrific opportunities and f- some fantastic people and fantastic role models as well so so yeah i, I think I've, I've definitely worked in male dominated industries um over the years but i found it you know f- far less difficult than one might anticipate before one joins so what would your advice be to someone considering joining a more male dominated professional industry well, i think there is probably something about being careful about some of the, the the myths and the stories you might hear before you sort of head into it. Um, I guess you know if, if I had listened to you know very well-meaning friends and colleagues um, about some of my moves, I might not have found myself you know having the opportunities and and experiences that that I've you know now had moving into defence or moving into the railway industry. Obviously, whenever you move into a new area or profession, it's worth you know hearing from others um but i'd always just you know make sure that you make your your own decisions my other reflection is my career has often been driven by looking for looking for a challenge looking for something where i can make a difference so um i'm not really attracted to roles in places where everything's perfect and working brilliantly um i I like to go to places where actually i think i can deliver some real value where actually i can make some positive changes so i think sometimes actually you know, having friends and colleagues say to me, you really don't want to go to defence, made it really attractive to me. I'm, I think there is something about, you know, 
pushing yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit, stepping into a role where you're not 100% sure what it's going to be like, taking a bit of a, what might feel like a bit of a risk and a gamble, because actually it often turns out to be, you know, some of your most fantastic decisions. Did you feel quite comfortable managing stereotypes? that what I've really found during my career is that being sort of visible and being a role model breaks a lot of those stereotypes down and and having colleagues who who may not have worked with or not realised that they're working with members of the LGBT plus community makes them realise that actually you're you're no different from others. You you know, you may be in a relationship or not in a relationship. You, You may be like me, married for for too many years to remember and with a you know with a 10 year old daughter and and uh, and a dog at home you, you know you can be just like any other member of a team so so I think sometimes just being yourself um can break down and challenge a lot of those stereotypes and it's it's the same being a, a senior woman um just being really you know approachable and being yourself helps create space for others and I think when I reflect on the time that I was you know in the closet at work um, it was seeing other senior gay women um, who were, you know, out and open and being really successful that gave me that confidence to to ultimately, you know, be out in, in the workplace because they were terrific role models. They were themselves and, and they broke down some of those stereotypes that perhaps I, I had in my own head um, that you couldn't really be out and open. So that there's something really important about being yourself and creating that safe space for others to to also be themselves so have you faced any other barriers due to your gender or sexuality in the workplace so i think you know reflecting on the time that that i wasn't comfortable being myself and being out i think that was a barrier for me to to give my best um so so i very much you know like all the cliches if folks said uh, what were you up to over the weekend sam i would use gender neutral um uh, sort of language so I would say you know I, I went to the cinema with my partner they really liked the film as opposed to she really liked the film um and yeah. that you know that takes effort um I yeah. was probably had less close relationships with some of my colleagues and kept a bit of a natural distance because I just didn't want to I guess expose some of those parts of, of my life and as I mentioned earlier about just being slightly vigilant throughout just listening to what people are saying thinking is this a safe place you know will they spot will they know um that i'm that i'm gay um that's just you know it's hard work and you know even if it's 10 or 20 percent of of your effort at work you are expending it on on being vigilant and hiding yourself as opposed to expending it on you know really delivering for your organization and, and you know potentially advancing your career as well so so i think my sexuality definitely did hinder me in my uh, in the early years of my career less in terms of specific barriers but more in terms of not feeling the culture was quite right for me to be myself uh, and that then sort of holding me back I think in terms of my gender I mean you know if, if you talk to any senior female leader we, we've often been in the scenario where we go into a meeting you know perhaps our deputy who, who may be male and and the meeting starts where folk are talking to the the man in the room and assume you're there to to take the notes or um or make the tea so you know you do have those little you know micro behaviors and um i think those things are very much disappearing but um but you know this they're, they're still there occasionally so so again, being a a woman, not necessarily a hindrance, but you know, it it, it doesn't make life easy. 
I think the flip of that is that actually there have been a number of opportunities which are open to all, but which I've deliberately taken up being a woman and being a gay woman. So, you know, if we think about networks and I'm a huge advocate of networks and, you know, really grateful for the work you, Leah, and, and the, um, you know, cross government LGBT plus uh, network do. Um, I got involved um, fairly early in my career in, in the women's network at, at that organisation and then later on the LGBT plus network. Being on those committees as a sort of fairly young junior member of an organisation was a terrific experience. And, you know, hand on heart, I would not be in a director role in the Ministry of Defence if I hadn't had those experiences because they taught me so much about, you know, the way organisations work, about strategy. But, but really a key skill that I got from it was around influencing others and making change happen where I don't, didn't necessarily have any of the levers of power. So I couldn't say, you know, I want this policy to change, make it so. I had to learn as a junior person how to influence the most senior leaders to make something change. Yes, there were some challenges being a woman and being uh, a member of the LGBTI plus community in my career, but there were also some opportunities that I grasped because I was a woman and because I was a member of the LGBT plus community. And those opportunities are, are equally open to, to everyone to get involved as, you know, as our allies, for example. Um, and I would really encourage folk to, you know, grasp those opportunities. I, I absolutely would not be here today if it wasn't for my early opportunity to be involved in networks. Currently the LGBTI plus champion for the defence as well. Yes. So, um, you know, as I progress through my career, I, I often, you know, think back to the times when I was not out and how, particularly a senior woman um, who was successful um, being out and open, what a, what a huge personal impact that had on me and how that empowered me to be myself. And I, I really have that as a front and centre of my mind. And, and I'm really conscious that I need to you know, do the same for others and, and create that safe space. So so when the opportunity came up to be the LGBTI plus champion, the sort of, um, you know, senior role model, if you like, in defence, uh, and also to influence and bring challenge to our most senior leaders, I, I absolutely jumped at it. Um, and it's terrific. We've got so many fantastic people across um, the armed forces, across the civil service in defence, who are identifying great innovative ways uh, and really putting a lot of effort in, in addition to the day job, um, to deliver real change. And I, I feel really honoured to be able to represent them and, and support them. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm very proud of that role and it also has a real, real personal resonance for me and, and, and my wish to support others in the way that I've been supported in my career. Tell me a little bit more about your involvement past and present in LGBT plus uh, women network. I almost remember the day that I sent an email to be added to their mailing list. Just sending the email, you know, pressing the send button felt like a big step. And then being involved, uh, you know, just being on the mailing list, seeing that other folk were out, that they were doing activities, that, that they were being successful. Um, really helped me on that that journey to being comfortable and confident to being out. In terms of getting involved in the committees, the women's network um, really kind of resonated with me more in the early stages of my career um, when I was interested in things like 
you know, career support, interested in understanding how senior women might juggle childcare, um, for example. So, so I ended up, you know, first of all, getting involved in the committee of the Women's Network. And, uh, and as I say, just, just learned a huge amount. And then after, I think, about three years on that network committee, we sort of rotated off. Um, but I really had such a passion for networks, for the learning that I got from it. Um, and at that point in my career, I was far more comfortable with being out and open. Um, that the LGBT plus uh, committee just just made sense to me. And I, I guess I was able to transfer that knowledge and learning to that committee. Uh, and it also really, I think, helped me bring something from an intersectionality lens. So we ended up doing a lot more events jointly between women's networks and LGBT plus networks because you know, none of us sit simply in one box or the other. You know, intersectionality is, is really important. And, you know, one of the things I'm really delighted to see um, in defence is that, that our networks are really recognising that. So, you know, for example, we have a member of the, the Race Network Committee who um, can sit on the LGBT plus committee and give us that that understanding and perspective for, um, you know, members of the LGBT plus community who may be black or Asian or, or from other ethnic minorities. We also have a member uh, of the um, uh, trans community who sits on our gender network um, committee. And, and again, it just just bringing that together it might seem a small practical step but it just brings that diversity of thought and recognizes how central intersectionality is to networks now how do you think that networks can actually do more to increase lesbian visibility it's probably not one thing it, it, it's it's a whole bunch of things and as i say if, if i reflect on on my career particularly when i was you know, invisible as, as a lesbian. Just the existence of the network gave me comfort. Um, the raising the profile of uh, senior women gave me comfort um, and, you know, gave me that, that confidence as well. Um, but it's not just about seniority as well. I mean, you know, being able to see senior gay women or senior lesbians or senior bisexual women um, or senior trans women as well, um, it, it is really important to help you see that it is an organisation in which you can succeed. But actually seeing LGBTI plus women across all ranges of uh, careers, professions, um, uh, levels of seniority, stages in their career is also really important because you you want to really connect with folk and connect with where they are in their lived experience. So, so I think Absolutely. There's, you know, th there is something about just making that range of role models visible and a role model isn't necessarily about seniority. Um, and, and I, you know, I do think, you know, touching back on the intersectionality piece, I think, you know, connecting with women's networks or gender networks is really powerful. You know, in defence, we also have a black women's network. And I think there is something really important about how do we ensure that the, the voices yeah. in the LGBTI or the gender networks are, are not just white voices. Um, so how we really help amplify the voices of our black, Asian or, or ethnic minority colleagues as well. So, so there's a there's a whole bunch of elements to it. And I think that, you know, certainly in defence and across the civil service, we're really recognising that that folk aren't just about ticking a particular box, but we're all complex human beings um, who 
who have a whole bunch of intersectionality at the heart of it. How do you think COVID has set women back in the workplace? It's a really interesting question. And, um, you know, if we look at, uh, you know, a lot of the statistics and a lot of the evidence that is coming out, um, you know, uh, and actually reflecting on my my own experience, my, my wife's a, a paramedic, so has been working sort of all sorts of shifts. And I've been doing quite quite the bulk of the, um, you know, the homeschooling. Um, although right now my, my my wife's looking after it while I while I have this discussion with you, um, but um, but you know the caring responsibilities do for the majority of women um, tend to fall on their shoulders, be it childcare, be it homeschooling, be it caring for you know elderly relatives or or relatives who you know perhaps have medical conditions that make them more vulnerable. So so there absolutely has been a you know, a, a really big burden on, on women during um, uh, COVID. Uh, and equally, there's been a really chunky burden on men as well. And we, we mustn't forget that too. Uh, but, you know, most evidence shows us that that, that balance is tipped a bit uh, more on the women than the men. And, you know, there is a risk that, that women find themselves almost self-selecting out of uh, be it a, a run at the next promotion or a new job or self-select even out of the workplace and just say, look, you know, this last year or so has just been too much. I, I need a break. Uh, and there is a risk that that sets us back a little bit in terms of, you know, overall equality. But having said that, I also think there are some really interesting opportunities for women coming out of uh, COVID. I think this recognition of flexible working this recognition of the ability to work from home and the fact that I, you know, I certainly think and I, and I know in defence, we think that that will be, uh, you know, far more common in the future um, is a really great opportunity uh, and equally for men to take on more childcare, more, um, uh, you know, caring for relatives and, and, and other, other caring sort of support that they may do. So there's there's that opportunity there. I also think there's something really interesting about how we reflect on the leadership that has been successful during the pandemic. So you will often hear folk talking about leadership as as sort of, you know, a a sliding scale with more masculine. and, And when I say masculine, I mean masculine traits of leadership, not leadership by men. Um, there are women that lead in in with in masculine ways. There are men that that lead in feminine ways. Um, but if you look at leadership traits, the more masculine end, the sort of you know do this, the sort of banging one's fist on the table, the the more almost dictatorial approach to leadership, and the the sort of feminine end of the scale. And again, that's not about women. It can equally be men, um, which is more about the emotional intelligence, the empathy the understanding what's going on in, in your te- your people's lives uh, and responding to that and, and really being caring. Um, I think there's been a real understanding and appreciation of the more feminine types of leadership and the real value that brings during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think, again, that's a that's a really interesting opportunity for, for women uh, and, and female leaders who, who perhaps might naturally find themselves leading in a way that is more on the feminine end of the scale. So, so, yes, it, it has been really tough. And, you know, I have found it really tough at times with with homeschooling. I know many colleagues have. Um, but when I look forward, I think there's some real opportunities. Raise some really good points there. And um, how do you think COVID has impacted on LGBT plus people and families differently to others? I've certainly led some sort of large teams during the pandemic. And, and I've 
being really conscious of the the lived experience of, of you know team members and colleagues um, can be really quite different if we think about lesbian, gay, bisexual colleagues who, who may not be out at home or may yeah. find it really difficult to, to be themselves, um, who may find that, that they are, you know, living with parents who perhaps don't approve or or are uncomfortable with their sexuality that that that's really tough and when you are you know cut off to a degree from your community um you know you maybe can't go to a a gay bar or a gay cafe or go out with your your friends from the community that that can be really quite isolating in terms of data and evidence that and, and reports that that folk do you know perhaps get thrown out of home um, you know, perhaps a rise in LGBT plus homelessness. Um, so, so some really tough things. I think particularly when I think about our trans colleagues and the trans community, um, you know, they may be in a home situation where they can't express um, their, their gender um, or, or they may find it difficult to get the, um, you know, for periods during the pandemic, difficult to get some of the um, ongoing medical support that might be supporting their transition. So, so I think it's been it's been really tough. Um, I think you know we've got used to the world of Zoom and and social media that that creates some opportunities to be close to to our community. And also, again, you know there, there's a there's a flip side to some of this for women leaders. COVID has opened the door a little bit to understanding our colleagues better, understanding a bit about their their lives. Um, and perhaps it has made us all just that bit more empathetic and understanding of colleagues. So so I think overall COVID's just created a more supportive, understanding culture in, in sort of a wider sense. But I think there will have been members of our community that have had some some really tough times and we have to be aware of that. And, you know, particularly leaders find ways to provide support. What do you think colleagues could do better to be good allies so so allies are so important I mean you know again reflecting on my personal journey a few of those times early in my career if someone had just challenged some of the banter and some of the inappropriate language and just said look you know that's not really on um that would have made so much difference um but but there weren't folk in those times who did that so, so I think there, there is something about and I know we you know we often talk about active bystanders and active bystander training um you know an ally just saying look that's that's not really on um to some simple language or, or comments can really make a huge difference it, it's always really tough on, on members of, of any minority community to have to be the ones that stand up and fight the battles um to have someone else to to you know just simply say come on now um you know let's not use that language let's um let's not talk about that person in that way it can make such a difference i also think there is something about you know we, we the rainbow lanyards the rainbow badges um folk putting something in the bottom of their emails uh, signatures with a you know an ally flag on um folk putting pronouns um in their email signatures yeah. is, is a just terrific way that just signals to members of the lgbt plus community you know you're safe with me i i may not understand everything about your experience but but look you're you know i'm a safe person to be yourself with and that can make such a huge difference i think on the the gender front i think you know um male allies um who are supporting women it, it can be terrifically valuable as well 
we, we also have to be careful about, you know, it's not about fixing women. I think the most powerful thing allies can do, be it allies of women or, or, or any other um, group, is to advocate for them when they're not in the room. So to say um, when an opportunity comes up, do you know, I know a fantastic woman who could really deliver this. So I think advocating for folk when they're not in the room um, and really challenging yourself as an ally to to not only learn and be curious, but but to take action as well, I think is is really supportive and, and, and the way forward. So, you know, thank you to, to everyone that's an ally out there. You know, you can make such a huge difference in, in people's lives. And I, I've absolutely benefit thank you very much for joining me today complete pleasure thank you so much leah and take care that's it for today's episode we hope that you enjoyed it thank you again to sam for taking the time to join us today please keep an eye out for our other episodes and blogs for international women's day where we will continue to discuss gender and sexuality in the workplace if you're not already you can subscribe to this podcast on all mainstream platforms you can find out more about the Civil Service LGBT Plus Network, including news and events on our website at civilservice.lgbt. For all our latest updates, you can also follow us on Twitter at CSLGBT, on Instagram at Civil Service LGBT, or visit facebook.com forward slash Civil Service LGBT. Until next time, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.